When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for listening to the Lakers Fast Break Podcast, part of the Hoopheads Podcast Network. Check out all their awesome basketball shows today at hoopheadspod.com. Lakers Fast Break. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here. Thank you so much for joining us right here at the Lakers Fast Break. Also, as well, catch our great shows, including the Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and hopefully everybody else will check out everything that we do here at Lakerholics.com. Also, as well, LakersBall.com, where Laker Tom, Jamie Sweet, and Joe Sorrell hang out. Go ahead and check out what they're doing today at Lakerholics.com and also, of course, LakersBall.com. Plus, our good friends at the Hoop Heads Podcast Network. If you can check out all that, plus subscribe to everything that we do, including Facebook, where you can like the page, Lakers Fast Break, and get the latest notifications there on Facebook. Also, as well, subscribe today at YouTube and go ahead and check out everything we do there at YouTube. Be one of our many subscribers. We are growing strong there, so please go ahead and support us there today. Plus, also, as well, Twitch and wherever we're at, at Lakers Fast Break. And if you do, it is sincerely appreciated. Well, I'll tell you what, more to talk about when it comes to the Lakers. We're trying to throw different stuff at you each and every time out. And one of the things that I've seen mentioned in passing and also as well mentioned as far as the situations that are going on as far as what needs to be rectified for the upcoming season is Anthony Davis, his health, and where he will stand as far as his resurgence back as a elite player in the NBA. We all know what a terrible season he had last year, shooting 18% from the outside three-point area. His traditional mid-range jump shots seemed to get away from him, and he just was not consistent at all. Plus, he was injured for a great portion of the season. Just overall, not a very good season for him. And it's starting to lead to some questions about whether or not his future will remain long-term in Los Angeles. I know I was starting to go ahead and allude to it. I know some of the fans and some of our listeners and some of our viewers out there are also saying the same thing. Joe Soro always tells us, go ahead, give AD one more year. But what happens if we do give AD one more year? And here today to talk about that, as far as especially on the offensive end, it's a good man indeed. You got to go ahead and check out when he's here. Every time he does appear, every time his internet allows him to appear here <laughs> at the Lakers Fast Break, it is the madman from Toronto, Mr. Magic Man himself, Sean Grice. Sean, he's got a ball microphone. I'm so proud of him. My gosh, I'm so surprised. Good to have you here, my friend. 
Just looking forward to a great conversation, starting off with your thoughts on AD and where he can fit into this offense. Should he be able to be coming back the way we know he can, the way we hope he can, returning to the form that we saw in the bubble not too long ago? Absolutely, Gerald. And uh, once again, thank you for having me on again. It's always a pleasure. You know, the last two seasons, Anthony Davis has played a combined 76 games out of a possible 164. So his body really hasn't taken a huge uh, toll uh, as opposed to other big men who have had an injury history um, like his. He also has a lean body which uh, allows him to, while he takes bumps and we all cringe every time he hits the floor, it it also allows him to um, perhaps fall into those little uh, creases and creeks that other big men can't. But if the offense is going to run through him, Mm -hmm. the point guard position is integral to his success. I mean, his best seasons came when either LeBron was the primary ball handler or Rajon Rondo or a Drew Holiday was the primary ball handler. Mm -hmm. And as you said before, Russell Westbrook's game, and by the way, he is the starting point guard right now, as much as Laker fans might bemoan that. So we have to go into this critical thinking regarding AD being run through the offense. And Russell is important in that regard if he's still on the team. As you said before, Gerald, he is the exact opposite of somebody of Drew Holiday's uh, caliber. He's not as uh, defensive prowess as Drew Holiday. He's a little bit more reckless with the ball than, say, a Drew Holiday or even a Rajon Rondo is concerned. So it makes it difficult Well, I will say that their efficiency is around the same because both are highly inefficient players. But the thing with Drew Holiday is Drew Holiday gives you so much on the defensive end and his playmaking ability to make others better out there or at least get the pass done is highly underrated. But his defense is not in question at this point in time. Whereas with Russell Westbrook, based off of last season, one of the worst defenders in the league one of the highest turnover ratios in the league for someone who is splitting a share of the usage with LeBron. He is still one of the highest turnover ratios in the league. Plus he shoots under 30% from three point land. So he's not respected when he goes out there and people will love to give him the shot. So there's a little difference out there. I know Drew Holiday is not a great shooter and I know he still loves to chuck up the ball. I know his famous performances as far as during the playoffs not shooting for a high efficiency, but my gosh, the man does so much other things that are good for your team, rebounding, assists, steals, defense, the things that we hope that since Russell Westbrook is not an efficient player in certain aspects, he's not doing them in others. Absolutely. And uh, to uh, add on to that, Gerald, he's not a wrecking ball in transition either. He's very deliberative. He understands where guys' sweet spots are, particularly Giannis and Chris Middleton. So it, it, it is, it's a different, it, it's a whole different ball game here. 
And I, I will say this. It was interesting in, in, in preparing for our show, I did some research and the two players who are the triple double uh, king and prince are Oscar Robertson and, and Russ. That's obvious. Mm-hmm. The big the big difference is this. If you look at the top 200 players of all time and their win shares, currently there are 10 active players in the top 75 in the league right now. Russell Westbrook is 10 of 10. In overall win shares in NBA history, Oscar Robertson is 11th. Russell Westbrook is 69th. So it it just goes to show you that history has shown it's usually not how you get your triple-double. It's when do you get your Mm triple-double. And so... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, and uh, Oscar did it for, for well over a decade and... You know, Russ is a complete, it's, it's a different scenario now because again, in doing some research, it was interesting in 40 games played last year, Anthony Davis only had 65 turnovers. That's a pretty good ratio for a big man. Countered that with Russ's recklessness with the ball had AD been able to play a full season. He might've been able to further mitigate that problem, but we'll never know. Also, what's interesting is that Anthony Davis, in in terms of fouls drawn versus fouls committed, was a plus 30 last year. That is very, very good. And we were still a very bad defensive team. I think the addition of Thomas Bryant helps him immensely on the offensive end because if Thomas Bryant can become a at least an effective rim deterrent. Then that would allow Anthony Davis to to be what we saw him in 2019. Gerald was basically a paint protector. He went north, south, east, west. He was able to control that area of the 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 court with with almost ease at times, especially with players like LeBron, KCP. And Kyle Kuzma out there with the length they had. If Thomas Bryant is the last guy up the court in transition and the first guy back, it it this is them working very well together. I'm not sure how smooth that will be to start out with, but if Thomas Bryant brings 85% of what he brought to the uh, the Wizards, then I could see Anthony's uh, offensive efficiency uptick. Well, also a lot has to depend on the man himself. Before we touch on Anthony Davis, I will say this one thing about Thomas Bryant. You're talking about 85% of what he brought as the Wizards. You're talking about 85% of what he brought to the Wizards before his ACL injury. That's something that he last year didn't fully recover from. So I'm sure there's still some lingering effects. I'm not going to say he's going to come fresh as a daisy when we break for training camp, but he might well be on the way back. He might well be on the way back to where he once was, where he was a, uh, an individual that was showing a lot more potential than he did with the Lakers. Although I kind of liked when uh, he was drafted the second round, someone that had that kind of potential that I think the Lakers just pretty much gave up on him a little bit too soon, but 
I'm hoping that we'll go ahead and see some sort of definitive individual at the number five spot that can support AD as well. Now, leading into AD himself, I mean, AD had mentioned in that famous interview that he had not touched a ball for several months. And then once he made those statements, immediately went back into the gym and working <laughs> hard. Funny how that happens. But again, I think we're it's a situation where I understand he'll never be an efficient outside shooter to the point where it's going to be something he can rely upon. But if he's going to take shots out there, he's got to go ahead and hit them at some decent clip. And I'm not sure if that'll ever come into the game, but his mid range, which was very much his bread and butter has left him last season. And that needs to return right away. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure if we're going to get ever for a consistently full season. Again, the kind of AD that's going to be thought of at the end of that 2020 world championship season as one of the best five players in the NBA. I'm just not sure we're ever going to get to that point. If he comes back to a, a all-star status, I think that's a great win for the Lakers, but it won't get them to where they need to be. He needs to be an all NBA player once again, for an order for him and LeBron to go ahead and take this team and carry this team to a, a successful season in order to go ahead and compete in the Western Conference and a very heavily loaded Western Conference, I should say. You bang on with the consistency from the mid-range drill. That's that's basically... That was his bread and butter. And yeah, if that it, goes, it is. Then, then he becomes so much easier to guard. Yes, absolutely. As his mid-range game goes, so does he. If if he's effective in the mid-range, it's, it's, like, a, it's like a West Coast quarterback, right, who's... Who's able to bootleg on the run and able to find, you know, the tight end over the middle? It, it's hard to guard because yeah. he's on, on he's on his three levels of scoring, and and but you're right, Gerald. We can't we can't see, you know, him going through a streak where he's 16 of 20, you know, from from 15 to 20 feet, and then the next five games he's five for 25. That's that's that that would be like you said not an all nba player maybe maybe that's all star because he he does usually end up shooting over 50% from the field regardless but his mid-range game needs to be consistent and it needs it needs to be what feeds everything else when when that mid-range game is going it's it's it it it, it hums and the offense benefits from people having to overcommit to him. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. Uh, so you would watch The Tomorrow War before The Matrix? Yes. If you forced me down, I was tied into a chair, and I had to watch one thing, I would say The Matrix Resurrections. Really funny. Yeah, because of all the cutscenes, I could remember what a good movie was like. <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. Yes, that's the only reason for the flashbacks to, to remind you what a good Matrix movie was. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Lakers fans, looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news? information, original videos, articles, podcasts, 
opinion pieces, and discussions about the Los Angeles Lakers, well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. Well, I'm just saying right now that LeBron has indicated that he wants to turn over a great portion of the offense to him or feed the offense through him. Darvin Ham has indicated pretty much the same thing as well. I want to make sure that AD is at the level of consistency that he's able to go ahead and handle it. Because if he's not and we get the player that we got last year, the season could end up being much worse than we imagined. Yes, yes, absolutely. If um, if Anthony Davis plays less than, than 50 games for the Lakers, um, it doesn't matter it, if we have Kyrie, if we have Russell, if we have Miles Turner, it doesn't matter. We're, we're, it's not going to be a successful season. He has to, he has to stay the course. He has to find a way to play anywhere from, from 50 to 60 games. If he can play more, that's gravy, but that's what we need from him. And I'll oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, Gerald, if, if certain parts of his, his previous iterations on other teams need to be validated. And I'm sure Darvin Ham is, you know, a film junkie. So I'm sure he's watching a lot of, of what made him successful in New Orleans. Uh, another, another aspect of why that particularly that 1718 uh, Pelicans team that swept the Blazers and they ended up uh, losing to the Warriors, but they put, they put up a fight that that particular team played well in, in uh, defensively, but they also played well in transition. They rarely turned the ball over, and that was in part due to Drew Holiday and Rondo. But they were also effective in the half court from um, the three-point line as well. Anthony Davis is going to need shooters to make shots. Um, one thing that was disappointing about last year was that um, – if I look back, over thirty-three percent of LeBron's assist, uh, assists were were were, um, oh, excuse me, it, the, the, he it, there were three-point shots that were considered easy makes, so to speak, mm-hmm. from the corner, and over thirty-three percent of his assists were missed off those off those corner shots. So it's obvious that if the offense is going to go run through Anthony Davis, he also needs to be become a better passer as well. Well, it's something we're definitely have to go ahead and, and watch and continue to go ahead and monitor because AD is a very big key to any type of successful season for the Lakers. And if he's not doing well at all, or if he's not playing below the standards or capabilities that we are hoping from, then it's going to be a very long season here in Los Angeles. So, We'll wait and see what happens with Anthony Davis. Hopefully he will continue to work out hard this off season and then come back to training camp strong, healthy, and ready to go for a good season and the season that hopefully he will be able to go ahead and play at an elite level once again. But once again, it is Gerald Glassford right here at the Lakers Fast Break along with the madman for Toronto, the magic man himself, Sean Grice. 
I know you wanted to go ahead and chew the fat a little bit about LeBron James. And when you talk about LeBron James and the things that he does, says, and is all about, I think a lot of people, especially when they listen to this show, they have their opinions on it. I know Joe Soro has his opinions. I know Tom, I know myself, uh, you know, have their opinions on, on LeBron when he's off the court. But right now the importance obviously is, you know, will he or won't he accept the, accept the, the, the continuance of his salary, the, the extension that's been offered to him, the $94 million plus extension that's been offered to him by the Lakers. Still no word yet on that, but you wanted to talk about the sheer polarity of LeBron James. I don't know if, if it stems from the decision or if it stems from him changing teams to Miami and going one, two, three, four, all that there. I mean, when you're young, you are confident in yourself. It borders on arrogance at times. And, you know, I, I'm sure I said some things at that point in time when I was that age that might have come off in, in certain circles as, as a little bit standoffish. I think he was just a young man that was very confident in his abilities and getting on the team with, with Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade might allow me to do that. But him going back to Cleveland or him starting to approach the records that are only being held by the elite in this, in this league, I think has also made him a lightning rod for conversation one way or the other. I think he's one of the greatest players of all time. I think if you were to go ahead and uh, in a genetics lab per se and create the perfect basketball player, he's about as close as you're going to get as far as size, speed, athletic ability, rebounding, assists, shooting. At times, he's been very good. And and if we could keep him above 40%, he would actually statistically or genetically or whatever way you want to go ahead and, and look at it be one of the best examples ever created for the game of basketball. And and to me, I think that when you design or think up what the perfect basketball player could be, I think much of those traits belong with LeBron James. So that being said, I know you, there's a lot of polarity in how people believe about LeBron and the fact that he's reaching that goat status, the greatest of all time status and all that. But you wanted to talk about the polarity of LeBron James. So go ahead, my friend. I know that's a very topical issue. I know that's a very hot button issue. I hope no one will send us hate mail or <laughs> nasty Twitter messages like they have in the past when Joe Soros, but Joe Soros touches on the subjects when LeBron is off the court talking about various things, but LeBron James on the court with the polarity that people believe and say, I mean, we see it all the time over in social media about how LeBron is truly loved and at times also truly hated, depending on who you're talking to. Yeah, Gerald, as, as I told you before, it's, it's very confusing to me why, why there's such um, a polarizing effect for this man. And you can feel it. You can, it it's palpable. Uh, it's, it, it's confusing to me in, in two ways. The first way is he's going to go down as one of the three greatest basketball players of all time. I don't think anybody should dispute that. No, I really don't, I, I really don't think that's, that's, I think that's 
absolutely indisputable at this point. I think I think that conversation. Well, the thing is, his polarity has created that dispute. Yes, yes, that's you know that's the sliver of why that this conversation continues. I agree. It's it's frustrating. He's going to go down as the greatest score ever, yet he doesn't have a go-to move. We think of great scores. We think of Kareem's skyhook. We think of Hakeem's dream shake. We think of uh, Bird's turnaround. Jay. I don't know if that's the case. I kind of disagree with you there because the power and the grace that he has, especially when he explodes to the basket, I have seen from a, a very rare number of individuals. I mean, I think that even, you know, when I compare, compare somebody about his size and frame, let's say Magic Johnson, who had a similar 6'9", topping 250 type frame with the fact that he could go ahead and ease in there and he could still go ahead and power in there as well with his size. I still think that even he could not do the things in deep like LeBron can. So I, I'm going to disagree with you on the fact that he does. He has a power move that is distinct and at the, at his peak was second to none. Okay. To be fair, I, I think you could, you could definitely like if, if you were to visualize him, I mean, cause um, we all associate Michael Jordan top, with would, the dunk, right? It would be his tomahawk jam. That would, that would likely be the visual that people in transition, this runaway freight train that, that bends the rim basically to to Australia. So in that sense, Gerald, no doubt. I, I mean, that's that's definitely a, a visual of his offensive game for sure. And defensively, he's never won a Defensive Player of the Year award. He's been a multiple All-NBA defender. And again, a, a, a visual of just his... Sheer will and determination is the chase down block on Iggy. That and when he concentrates on it, when he wants to, he can lock down a player, literally lock down a player. We saw it during the 2020 playoffs. Again, he turns it off and turns it on and sometimes lets these, these different guys in the league, some of them are journeymen, right. some of them are rookies, some of them are young players. He lets them score on them. But even at an elder age, he's still able to go ahead if he wants to Last year, he didn't want to, but if he wants to go ahead and still lock down the opponent, if he chooses to, I just, I just think that LeBron's gifts and his greatness has shown that he is able to do so many different things that other most basketball players can't do. And he can do with such variable ease. Yes, Gerald, a hundred percent. And um, I couldn't agree with you more. And uh, I, no better example for why that is true is um, I, I want to say it was 2018. There was a there was a poll done amongst NBA players about who was who was the 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 most. I believe it was, I believe it was not the best player, but it was who's who's the most elite clutch player right now, and and. A lot of the players just they they found that LeBron they appreciated his physical gifts, but mm -hmm. they I I don't think you really appreciate 
how he can carve you up mentally until you actually see it for yourself. If you, if you doubt him, that, that, that's one thing I've noticed, whether it's Lance Stevenson or Deshaun Stevenson, or whether it was Kevin Durant or whether it was uh, Draymond Green, if, if they doubted him, he would carve them up on the court. He would make, he would, he will make an example out of you. If you, if you doubt him, for even a split second. That's one thing. That's another aspect of his game. I think that a lot of people are envious of is that because he's so intelligent, he makes it look easy at times. And like a Larry bird in that mentality, you can carve somebody up mentally to the point where they almost, want to leave the court they're hoping for a whistle so they can stop being embarrassed and i think that plays a part in it as well i have a neighbor and his name is matthew and matthew's father mike uh died uh a few years ago and uh, a few months after uh his death um matthew's uncle went to take him to a raptors game where the Cavs were playing. And before the game, LeBron had seen this group of kids and Matthew was amongst them. And he brought them over. And his security team was talking to them. And his security, I saw his um, security guard tap Matthew on the shoulder. And Matthew got to meet LeBron and when LeBron heard his story, he brought them to the the Cavs bench. So that's the kind of person LeBron James is. He has a heart of gold. That's the second reason why I um, I find it hard to understand why he's why there's a polarizing effect to him. Well, it, um, it, it's not every, you can't just say that he hasn't done anything to facilitate that. I mean, again, uh, it starts off with the decision, which many people were turned off by. And uh, I wasn't really turned off by it. I didn't care. He wasn't going to the Lakers. So it really didn't make yeah, sense no. to be I, why I would get an uproar over it. But he, you know, people were obviously, but, very you know, quick. Gerald, he's, he's never requested a trade. He's never, even after Dan Gilbert wrote that letter, he didn't bad he didn't badmouth the Cleveland Cavaliers. He and he, he often takes the high roads and things. He, Sometimes he voices his opinion, which again a lot of people say. But he has his every right to go ahead and say how he feels out there. I I disagree with Joe Soro on some of the things he says. That you know, I think he has the ability to go ahead and has the forum to go ahead and say and do whatever he chooses to. Sometimes it works against him, like in the Brittany Griner situation, his first initial comments on that didn't seem to go over well, and he had to backtrack a bit on that, and he's done that on a couple of occasions, but he's also said a lot of good things and also done a lot of good things for the community. I mean, the school that he actually created that has been a great part of the life in the Cleveland area, that is something to be lauded for. He didn't have to go ahead and do that. He chose to do that. And I think that should be something that really should be more congratulated and brought out upon there. I know Joe Sorrell, you know, he 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 gets on LeBron's uh, 
comments and tweets and how they don't always fit or align with what he's thinking. But you know what? That's, that's who LeBron James is. We're not all the same. We're not all alike. We have to just try and do what we can to get along with each other and do the best we can to move forward as a, as a species would not be nice if we all did, but I think let LeBron James again, you know, I think that he will go down history as one of the greatest players of all time. And I understand that when you achieve that status, especially in our society, you're just not going to get a blanket endorsement from every single person out there. It's just that simple. The reason why for his polarity is simple is because when you achieve that level of greatness that he has and achieve those level of accomplishments, every, uh, there's so many people out there that are going to support you and so many others that are going to try and pick some holes in what your career and legacy is all about. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's true. And, and to those individuals, I will say this. When the Batman is gone, what does the Joker do? Because one day, he's not going to be playing anymore. And I'm, I'm going to be sad that day because... Right, we are, yeah, not, but the, our society has a tendency yes. to go ahead and gravitate towards yes. someone else. Will someone else step up to the plate to replace LeBron at that level of greatness? We'll wait and see. I mean, there's still many candidates out there. It could be Zion, could be someone like John Morant, could be Victor Wembiyama when he comes around. He could reach that level, be coming right around the time, you know, as LeBron's career fades into the sunset. Victor Wembiyama gets started. He could become amazing in that first couple of years and people see the greatness right away. So we'll see what happens. Scoot Henderson is another name that I really like of a kid that has shown very much potential at the G league right now. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what he could bring to the league, but yeah, we don't know. I mean, but now the time is starting to look for other people to go ahead and take up the mantle that LeBron has taken up so long. I mean, Steph Curry has, has been great and revolutionized the game in his own way and achieved the level of greatness that he has, but he's not going to be able to carry it much longer after LeBron. No, no, he's, he's not. There's um, like you said, there, there are several, there are several people who can take the torch here. Um, but as, as Kobe Bryant told LeBron in his last t- tweet, continue to move the game forward. That's what That's it's all you about. Can do. That's all you can do. That's all you can do. And, you know, for, for everybody out there, I, I can't think of, of a better flag bearer, a better uh, person who has the, the torch right now to pass it on than LeBron. Um, and like you said, Gerald, when, when someone achieves that kind of um, basically incomparable greatness, because, again, He's going to go down as probably the the player with the most points, uh, over ten thousand assists. That's not just gold elite playmaking. That's platinum. You're amongst the best. His ability to just change the game on a fundamental level will. I I I think it. Somebody could take the torch, but I I don't think. We will see an, another shooting star like this for a while who can who can change the game. On... That might not be exactly the greatest thing for the league, but that's a question for another day when those yeah. ultimate 
days happen as far as LeBron and Steph Curry retiring. So we'll have to wait on that conversation and see what happens from there. But once again, it's the Lakers fast break. It's Gerald Glassford along with the magic man, Sean Grice, the madman from Toronto, as I always say. He's back in town and actually on a good connection. I am keeping my fingers crossed that we can get all the way through this without any other interruptions or internet gremlins. So I'm hoping everything's been good so far. So I'm knocking on my plastic right now because I have no wood around me. But before we head on out, my friend, you want to touch on another couple things. First up is the KD situation. I'll go ahead and touch on that because we all know that Kevin Durant has requested a trade from Brooklyn and Kevin Durant met recently with the governor of the Brooklyn Nets, Joe Tsai, and it was in London where he was hanging out with James Harden at a Travis Scott concert, I think, but he was also hanging out with Joe Tsai, letting him know that he is reiterating his demands to be traded, and if he's not traded, then he wants the termination of Sean Marks and Steve Nash, which is kind of funny because he wanted Steve Nash to coach the team, but if Sean Marks does get fired, I am nominating Laker Tom as the new general <laughs> manager for the Brooklyn Nets because of his very favorable trades from Brooklyn to the Lakers as far as personnel <laughs> that you can catch today at Laker Tom on Twitter. So I would say if that's the case, that would be awesome for the Lakers indeed. But your thoughts on this ongoing KD drama situation you know, if I'm Josiah, I say, okay, if you don't want to play, I don't have to pay. And if you do want to play, you got to go in and do the best you can. But if there's no good trades out there for you that I feel is going to improve our team either now or in the long term, I'm not going to let you hold me hostage and say, you know what, I got to go ahead and take the first deal I can see. 100%. 100%. I think that... Um... I'm I'm trying to do my best metronome impression there because I think it's it's just a matter of time before before this situation really blows up. Um I I was listening to uh the podcast the other night, Gerald, and um I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm kidding, Joe, I'm kidding. <laughs> Joe Joe had mentioned he asked you and Tom a question and he said do you think there's a strong possibility that the Nets bring all three of them back? That is a, that is a strong possibility. It's looking more and more like it every day. And that's all I'll say. Yeah. Mind you, there are a couple of things that are known that are out in the open. One, Kevin Durant does not want to play with Ben Simmons because Ben Simmons released one of his Instagram posts or one of his snarling bull things that he likes to do before he's coming out. And as soon as he sent that out a couple of days later, KD said, I want out check please. And as soon as that happened, Ben Simmons deleted his, whatever that was, you have three players now that have all at one point in time in their career, in their professional careers have just ducked out on their personal and professional responsibilities. Kyrie's the worst of them, obviously, because he's he just decides whether or not he's going to show up to work. Ben Simmons has to be motivated to come into work. And now it looks like Kevin Durant 
needs to be traded to be motivated to come into work. I don't envy this management. Uh, however, they, like we talked about before, when you, there's an old saying, and I remember my, my old priest, uh, uh, Father Pat used to say, when you dance with the devil, the devil don't change, the devil changes you. Mm-hmm. And when KD wanted Kenny Atkinson fired, they were amenable to him. They fired Kenny Atkinson. Then Sean Marks wanted to hire Jacques Vaughn. Let's be clear about that. He wanted to hire Jacques Vaughn. Steve Nash wasn't his first choice. Jacques Vaughn was the interim coach of that Nets team. The Nets players were responding to Jacques Vaughn. Jacques Vaughn had previous coaching experience. He also played in the NBA and played at Kansas University. So he's highly respected in the locker room. And Kevin Durant vetoed that. He said, no, I don't, I don't want Jacques Vaughn coaching the Brooklyn Nets. You need to get me a, a coach with, with, with some, some street cred, basically. You know, get me a coach that's known. And they hired Steve Nash with no coaching experience. So you went from Jacques Vaughn, who had, a, who had quite a bit, to Steve Nash, who had none. And Jacques Vaughn decided that he's, instead of pursuing other head coaching opportunities, he would come back and be Steve's lead assistant. And now, basically, Kevin is saying, yeah, I want I want Steve gone. I want his staff gone. I want Sean Marks and his staff gone. And good luck hiring a, a coaching staff and a management staff at this point in time when you're eight weeks removed from, from training camp. The timing is odd, Gerald. And to me, it's a little absurd. The one issue I have, Gerald, is that culturally speaking, going back to what you were saying in our in our culture now, mm-hmm. there there are really two different environments. There's the cyber world and there's the real world. And all three of those guys that the Nets ha- are at the top of their roster basically try and live and operate in both worlds almost simultaneously. And mm-hmm. and eventually that's just going to come to blows because um, you, you have confounding uh, visual examples. Kyrie skips out on the Brooklyn Nets and then he is seen in a um, Zoom call video wondering who the next district attorney of New York is going to be. But then eight months later, he comes back and says, yeah, you know what, I'm going to finish out this year and then and then go to the other other side of the coast. Uh, It's just it's a bizarre set of circumstances here. And everybody's acting as if, you know, everything is calm, everything. It reminds me of the Kevin Bacon meme from Animal House, you know, all is well. That I could just see the Brooklyn Nets becoming an all is well meme this year at some point in time. Because I, I just think the situation is just bound to explode at, at one point in time. I'm not saying I'm not saying I think Kevin Durant would pull a Ben Simmons and bring a cell phone into a practice or try and be James Harden and come into training camp 35, 40 pounds overweight. I don't think he'd do anything that descriptive or or detrimental. But 
he's very frustrated. You can tell. It's not just that he wants to be traded. He wants to be traded to a place where he can win a championship. And the issue is, and you said this before, Gerald, it's it's the same problem that the the New York Knicks had when they were trading for Carmelo Anthony. They gutted their team for him. And all he had to do was wait a few months and sign there as a free agent and they could they would have been able to insert him into that young team. But they gutted it. And now the Nets have decided they were gonna gut their young team too for this. And I don't think it's going to end well. I, I I disagree with a lot of the pundits out there. I, I wouldn't favor the Nets to come out of the East right now. i put Philly ahead of them. i put the Bucks ahead of them right now. Depending on, on what happens with the, the Heat, I would be willing to put them ahead of the Nets right now. I just don't think the Nets are a top three team in the East. Yeah, I think that it's going to be a stretch unless they can, you know, unless everything falls together, I think it's going to be very hard for them. But they're obviously not starting the season on a very good note as of right now, unless they make some sort of maneuvers or finally get this Kevin Durant situation into the fold. But we'll see what happens. Would you gut your team for, for the ability to acquire Kevin Durant at 34, Gerald? Uh, it all depends on exactly who I have surrounding it. And it all depends on how am I gutting the team? You know, what pieces, if I've got a team, like for instance, the Clippers who are loaded one through 12, as far as quality players, they may not be the overall best team in the league, but they're darn close just because of the fact that they have such sheer depth. And if they're all healthy, they're a team that could probably compete with anybody in the NBA, unfortunately, which makes me again, sick to my stomach saying that, but when it comes to something like that, if Brooklyn said, Hey, okay, we want a lot of quality players, give us some draft picks. That was something I would be looking into because if I could keep Paul George and I could keep Kawhi Leonard and then pair them with a Kevin Durant, that would look pretty sweet. You know, I, I don't say that would be a detriment to my team or if they even wanted a Paul George, I would strongly consider going ahead and swapping Paul George and a package of players and or picks to Brooklyn for that. And you're getting Kevin Durant in return, which is a slight upgrade and a situation where in the playoffs, what are you looking to go ahead and do? And if in the playoffs, you have a Kawhi Leonard and a Kevin Durant one, two, it's a little bit more menacing than Paul George, although Paul George has overcome those playoff doldrums and the bad label that he got that he couldn't produce in the playoffs. And I think he's become a, a pretty, dependable player in the playoffs especially when he was carrying the team on his own and didn't have Kawhi Leonard so we'll go ahead and start saying you know what he can produce in the clutch when it comes to being able to go ahead and and do that when although I still think Kevin Durant even at 34 is an upgrade over Paul George I don't think it's a whole lot but yeah if you're able to go ahead and and do it without Paul George and you're able to go ahead and put those three together on a team I would do it I would do that. But then again, you'd have to have those kind of assets and not many teams do. I mean, going back to Oklahoma city, they've got a ton of assets, but they don't have anything that really is going to help the Brooklyn Nets compete. Now it's all about down the road. So there's not that many teams that can really trade for Kevin Durant under the current laws because the fact you can't double dip with a certain contract because of what Ben Simmons contract, I guess, as far as the, you know, he's a rookie extension 
That's from what I'm able to ascertain. You can trade for one, and you can sign one internally as far as a rookie extension is concerned. You can't trade for two players under a no. rookie extension. So as long as that rule's in place, I think it's going to be very limited on the number of teams that can actually trade or offer you an effective trade for Kevin Durant. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, another team I was thinking of was the Pelicans. I mean, I would ask for Zion. Sorry. Yeah, you would. You... I'd ask for Zion and a number one. And that would be good for me. Uh, I think that with Zion's health being so all over the place. Yeah. But if you're asking about Brandon Ingram and a whole bunch of picks and players, that's still not going to be moving the needle in the right direction for you unless there's a whole lot of drought. If you give me six, if you give me a Rudy Gobert trade, that's a different story. I might, I might consider that for training away my 34 year old player, but Otherwise, if it's just you want to go ahead and minimize your assets, okay, go ahead, send me Zion and a one, and there you go. I'll leave it. I'll take my chances with that. Okay, that that's you know what actually in in all honesty, that's a either Zion fair. and a one or Brandon Ingram and five six picks. A Brandon yeah. Ingram, some other assets, and some five six picks. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, so I, to me, Gerald, that this is a situation where where either Kevin Durant ends up in a, in in an imperfect situation where he has a chance to win a championship, or like you said, he goes to a young team that was able to meet the Nets' draft capital and and player development requests, and those are the, really the only two options. And a couple of those teams are out. I mean. There's, there's just no way the Toronto Raptors will trade Scotty Barnes for Kevin Durant. You're, that is not going to happen. Uh, it's a non-starter. Well, then I it's don't... a non-starter unless you can throw a whole ton of draft picks at, at uh, Brooklyn if you're Toronto. So, yeah, otherwise, yeah. just forget about it. Just don't even you know, worry about it. Move on. Yeah, and and it, it like it, it it doesn't it doesn't feel like a move that Masai Jerry would make right now. It, yeah, it, it it really doesn't feel like his kind of mood. He he's more. Well, they traded for Kawhi Leonard. Well, yes, but you know, remember Gerald, uh, and I tell Raptors fans this a lot when it comes up. When the Raptors made that trade. Mm-hmm. That was the th- that trade was the greatest the greatest low risk high reward trade that's ever been made in sport in sports history. Mm-hmm. Kawhi at that point was considered injury prone. He was the people were weren't sure if he was ever going to play on the court again. Mm-hmm. The Raptors gave up a first round pick and Jakob Pertle for Kawhi Leonard. And it netted them an NBA championship. That happens once. You 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 know, some people win the lottery twice. That's just happened, but usually it only happens once. So to me, if the Raptors ever had an opportunity to make a big move like this, like you said, Gerald, it would take a lot more than than a first round pick and a developing player. You'd have to offer multiple picks multiple players to secure a superstar of that status. It's just the way it is. Minnesota had to pay the price because nobody wants to play in Minnesota as a free agent. You're either drafted there or you get traded there. Rarely does anybody ever sign a contract in Minnesota, in Toronto, 
in Sacramento. It just doesn't happen. It's just part of this landscape we call the NBA. It's the haves and the have-nots. Well, we'll see what happens indeed as the continuing saga of Kevin Durant, you know, just continues to flow on. We'll see what happens. I don't think anything's going to be done until they get to training camp or otherwise. If he starts to hold out, then maybe something will happen. But if I'm Joe Sy, I'm like in no hurry to go ahead and trade Kevin Durant unless I get something more to my liking. So we'll see what happens there. Although I do tell Joe Sy, please go ahead and consider strongly removing Sean Marks and, and you know putting in place a, a real general manager, Laker Tom, to go ahead and <laughs> take care of your organization indeed. But before we end it out, my friend, you wanted to touch on a conversation that we kind of like sidebarred on the show recently, and that was the college football situation. So I will let you go ahead and do that. I mean, if you didn't hear my comments, just letting everybody know on the show, I did mention that college football should expand its playoff system. I've said that for a number of years. I've said that, I think, several times on the Pop Culture Cosmos and also Inside Sports Fantasy Football shows. I think they should expand to a 16-team format, utilizing the bowl system, which is an otherwise forgettable bowl system. I Just insert your sponsor's name in whatever small town that is organizing it here otherwise between a five and five team or a six and five team or a five and six team i'm so tired of actually seeing those matchups during the middle part of december that's why i've always proposed hey do a 16 team type situation you rotate the bowls to where these smaller bowl teams can get these kind of big paydays potentially big paydays because even let's say a one sixteen matchup with Alabama versus you fill in the blank will still garner more ratings and more dollars and more revenues for that city and also the TV network than what you would be putting there as far as a smaller bowl is concerned. So it's just a, a system for me, I think, that would generate the, more, the most money. I think that the NCAA, which is usually very highly you know, intrigued by making more money, should look at it more closely, but you had something you wanted to say about the college football, uh, I guess, uh, layout before we head on out. Uh, yes, Gerald. Um, by the way, uh, fight on. The Trojans are actually in a in a great conference in the yeah, future. Their ranked their preseason ranking is 14th and 15th, depending on who you, look, who you look at. We'll see what happens. I know a lot of people yet are still kind of wary and buying into hype or that you can go ahead and build a team overnight, literally almost, but you know, it's over the course of a few months as far as everybody transferring in there. We'll see where this, if we'll just see, we'll see how the NIL and this transfer portal is this season, as far as all these transfers being made from one school to another, not just USC, but all over, we'll see what kind of impact it has going on this season, because I think people are just overblowing it as far as the, uh, Oh, the ruin of college football is here. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. it's just like, come on. It's, I, these are kids. These are kids. They're 18, 19, 20 years old. Let them go and do what they want to do because most of them will not make the NFL. Let them go ahead and make some money on the side. This is something that they've long sought for. I know it was, uh, I believe, uh, Ed O'Bannon who was uh, here in Las Vegas. I know he used to sell automobiles here at a local dealership here in Las Vegas. He was the one who initiated based off a video game, electronic arts video game that was way back when, as far as utilizing his likeness. And he was able to go ahead and get a 
court victory that was very monumental and this led to the NIL today. Let these kids make their money. The NCAA makes a ton of money. Let the, these, these universities, in most ca- in some cases, make a ton of money. Let the kids make their money. It's not a big deal. I agree, Gerald, 100% again. Um, yeah. Let the kids make their money. I mean, you know, it, uh, another another funny instance was, uh, remember that story about Johnny Menzel talking about how he, he he went online to the Texas A&M football store and he saw his name and number on the back of a jersey and was wondering, wait a minute, I'm the one out there making all the plays. We're busting our butts. Yeah, I think not... he was cited for uh, selling his merchandise. merchandise. Yes, yeah. yes. Oh. Yeah, he was for, for autograph sessions. And, yeah. You know, he would, he would do the, the, this stuff. But you know what? Like you said, Gerald, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. If the NCAA feels that they can skim a, a, a little off these young men and women, then what's one good turn deserves another. And I think these these young people deserve to make as much money as they can. Yeah, well, so what, I mean, how is that different from working at the pizza shop on your summer? Yeah, you know, that, I, that's right. I, and then with these kids, a lot of them could have, you know, not all of them are under scholarship. A lot of them could have extra costs, student loans. I am very familiar with a student loan myself. Me so, too. You know, yeah, so just come on. Let these kids go ahead and make the money if they're able to. There's only a certain percentage of these athletes which are able to go ahead and get NIL funding as far as, uh, I guess, entities that would be interested in, you know, paying them for sponsorship for some reason or another. But, you know, I mean, let these kids go ahead and make money. I mean, if there's a kid that go go ahead and, you know, lend his name to a local auto store or another kid who can go ahead and lend their name for a pizza joint or a national Pepsi company wants to go ahead and, and, you know, talk to this college football player or college basketball player and, and, you know, work out some sort of sponsorship deal. Let them do that. Come on, give me a break. Yeah. I I mean, you know, if, if, if I was, if I was being coached by uh, Lincoln Riley or Lane Kiffin, I know for one thing, those guys would be, telling me to to make as much money as I can too because yeah. what what's what's good what's good for the player ultimately ends up being what's good for the university as well and especially because, with these basketball players because if there's anybody that's that as you see we saw we've seen a lot of over the course of in my case many decades now of NBA where a kid comes out way too soon we saw it to this year with Sharif O'Neal who I guess is making what, you know, a six figure contract luckily walked into that with the, the G league Ignite. but there's players like that who are, should not be coming out or not ready for the NBA and end up getting hurt in the long run because of it. Now this way, this will entice players to stay in school, to go ahead and continue their degrees, to go ahead and continue their efforts in the, in the college basketball realm so that they could go ahead and develop their skills. I don't see a problem. Neither do I. And, and, and a great example would be, um, you know, Ojibaji, the, the national player of the year, decides, yep, yeah, I'm going to come back for another year. I'm going to take advantage of 
this opportunity I have at my school and an NIL opportunity because I'm, I'm, I may not make it in the NBA. So this is what I'm going, I'm going to get as much as I can while I can, while the getting's good. Well, and, but he did come out and he did uh, what a middle, middle first round draft pick by the Cleveland Cavaliers. So yes, we'll yes. He does have a good opportunity and at least a good run here to start off with for his career. So I wish him all the best. But did you say you wanted to continue something else yes. as far as college yeah. football? I Absolutely. went off on a tangent there. So I yeah, that. so no, no, not at all. Joe. I feel like um, Joe Soro. In, in the end. Or like uh, your Tom. <laughs> Thank you. In the end, Gerald will be right and Joe will be wrong. And here's why. Right now, nobody is satisfied with four teams in in the playoffs. No, but nobody likes it. We and we all see it. It's the it's three of four teams from the Sun Belt, and you know it's Ohio State, or maybe once in a blue moon uh, a team from the Pac-12 will get in there. But you know, um, familiarity and and contempt kind of go hand in hand and for people to see the same rolodex of teams over and over again it's just it's not good for the sport it's not good for tv ratings it's not good for the the general public at and large. it's only adding to my proposal only adds two more games for these kids on a month that they are usually not that active in December anyways. So yes. I don't know. I, it just, it just seems I, like I, it's unnatural. Yeah. I understand the partial logic of what Joe's saying about eight teams, but the problem is now that we have mega conferences and as soon as, you know, Notre Dame and, and I think, Washington are going to end up in the the Big Ten as well. Then you're going to have a couple of teams from the ACC join the SEC, and you're just going to have these two mega conferences at this point. And eight teams is it's 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 just not feasible because if you have a conference of of anywhere from from fourteen to eighteen teams, I want true representation. I want at least you know a, a possibility of having two or three teams from my conference in the playoffs. But then and also a one to 16 team will also include a team from another conference that may not get as much publicity because there's always seemingly one team. Oh, yes. there's always seemingly one team from somewhere that's out of blue. That's having the best season it's had in many years. That's probably like uh, 11 and one or 12 and zero, and they're getting absolutely no recognition or not enough to go ahead and get them in anywhere near a sniff of those top four. So they would probably be ranked right around, I would say, 8 to 12. And that's exactly the type of team that you want to go ahead and say, you know what, okay, prove it out there on the field. You're going to go ahead and face off against some, some fellow NCAA playoff teams. Go ahead. Instead of just in a bowl game, where on New Year's Day it's another bowl game that doesn't mean anything that really kind of lets you down your season, which, okay, you can take motivationally or not take motivationally. This is the this is the playoffs. This is a prove-it-to-me time. Okay, your 12-0 and magical season has led you to a top 16 ranking. Go ahead and prove it out there on the field to, that you are actually capable of beating a top four or, or being a top four team in the country. A hundred percent, Gerald, and more great ideas are that, you know, 
it, it gives motivation for other teams to have an extra home game as as a playoff game. So you'd be a play you'd be a playoff home team. I don't think I like a play at home team. I really think we should utilize the bowl system just to make it a, you a want neutral, a neutral site. field. Eh? I want yeah. a neutral site because also as well these bowls that we see throughout the month of December, they make a, a I guess a limited amount of money enough to sustain these small communities that there, a lot of them are in get a nice little boost, but it, let's say in Alabama is chosen to go into a first round entry into one of these smaller bowls and utilize that on a rotational basis. My gosh, what that would do to that community's uh, offering, plus also the TV ratings, which are usually minuscule for those bowls, would go way up. You Huge, don't think yes. ESPN would want to see or want to showcase or CBS or NBC or, or ABC would want to showcase one of those tiny little bowl games that they would never have interest in before if they were showcasing a first-round Alabama game or Ohio State game or Clemson or even the USC, you know, or Notre Dame, one of those elite schools that always seem to get the good ratings. So I don't know. It just seems like a natural to me. It's it's already laid out for you. You just go ahead and tweak a little bit to include playoff teams. And it's, again, it, was, it would give an opportunity for all these smaller teams, especially the ones, smaller bowls, especially the ones like that have lasted forever, like the Sun Bowl and the Holiday Bowl, to actually mean something. For once in their history, more than just, okay, every now and then they have a classic shootout game there. I mean, what about the Aloha Bowl? But they have two bowls at Aloha Stadium during this bowl season. What if one of those games was a playoff game? That would be tremendous for the community in Hawaii. Absolutely, Gerald. And I think that's a great point you raise. And it's often one that's that's kind of overlooked by a lot of people. Is that the answer is right wins. there. Everybody wins in this in this scenario. Everybody wins. The players win. The programs win. The schools win. The networks win. The arenas win. The vendors win. It's just it's it's a win 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 for everybody, and you have to be able to get smart people in a room to finally agree on this. And I understand Joe's reasoning as far as it dilutes the teams and whatnot, but you know what? I would rather have a chance again to watch, you know, I know a see, lot of people, 65 I, to nothing Alabama first round wins. I think they would love to see that or, or as opposed to a 5-16 and 16 face off against a 6-16. Six, see, I, I, I respect programs more and more like USC and Notre Dame when they do decide, yeah, okay, we'll, put, we'll play Alabama in, in Arlington at a neutral site. Yeah, we might lose. We might lose, but we're we're gutsy enough to put them on our schedule. I mean, and that's the point. Every game should matter, but just because a team goes say ten and two shouldn't exclude them from the playoffs. If if you I'll, and I'll give uh, our audience an example. If in three years USC is at the top of the West, they're eleven and one. And Ohio State is ten and two, but they're in second place. But Ohio State lost to USC by a field goal at, at you know with two seconds left. That shouldn't exclude Ohio State from a playoff uh, position. Well, you, I get, I'll, was, I'll, let me give you this. Let me just finish this up. Let me finish this up by saying this, my friend, and I appreciate again your thoughts on this. 
I'm just going to say this. When you look at the bowl schedule upcoming for this holiday season, the 2022-2023 bowl schedule, and right around the corner, the college football season is going to start. Let me just say this. Okay, you've got 43 bowl games looking square at you on the face. 43. Most of them will be filled with teams that won't even get a sniff of the top 25. And most of those teams will be afterthoughts in their own conferences. Wouldn't it be great if the Wasabi Fenway Bowl or the Hometown Lenders Bahamas Bowl or the Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl or, you know, you're doing good when you have a bowl game after you. <laughs> SRS Distribution Las Vegas Bowl or the famous Idaho Potato Bowl or the RoofClaim.com Boca Raton Bowl. BuffaloWings.com Bowl. Yeah, or any of these bowl games that are there, the AutoZone Liberty Bowl or the Guaranteed Rate Bowl, all of these bowl (laughs) games which will host forgettable games with forgettable teams, and they're only important to those specific college communities and the community that's hosting the game because, of course, the money that it brings in. Wouldn't it be better if you hosted actually important meaningful college football games on the schedule and you mix it up in a rotational basis where, you know, one bowl will have it this year as far as this round then another bowl will have it next year's just to make it fair. It just seems to me like it's a natural, it's like staring you at the face and it's been staring at me all the face all these years. And I've said it and I've said it again, but you know, uh, I know Joe again about diluting the system and all that. It's all about money, my friend. When it comes to the NCA, and it's all about money, and they should go ahead and it won't dilute the the importance of the NCA tournament. It'll actually make it tougher because you're going through two other games in order to get to the title game. It'll make your stake and your claim on the title that much more important. I really think it's a win-win situation for everybody. Simple as that. Yeah, agreed 100%. And, and you know, we won't have a situation where the University of Central Florida puts up a national championship banner <laughs> this yeah. year. So, yeah, so you you get, know, it's we'll, done. We'll, that stuff is over with because they're in their yes. top 16. Yes. And, and the, okay, seven. So and and teams, if you were, so yeah. well, if you're ranked 17 through 25th or whatever, you don't really have a claim to be the top team in the nation, anyway. No. Yeah. No. I agree, Gerald. I agree. And you hit the nail on the head. It's staring everybody right in the face. They just have to take a breath right now, realize that this is a win-win-win for everybody if we just expand the field. I'm not sure if 16 will happen right away, though. I think 12 would would start out with, but I'm, I'm with you, man. Um, eventually it, it will go to 16 because it, it, with the amount of money with the, the mega conferences uh, in place. Um, the TV it, deals, the, the whole TV thing. I mean, my, my goodness, um, you know, Gerald's alma mater is now leaving the Pac-12 network and about, for, about to go to the Big Ten network, which is about to sign who knows? It could be a $2 billion deal by the I don't, time. You don't even get me started on yeah. because, okay, first off, okay, how many teams are in the Big Ten right now? And you're getting two more? And you still call yourself the Big Ten? It's just, it's, that's, yeah, that's, that's, come on. 
that's funny but again you know what man it's a win-win for everybody i couldn't be happier for for usc and ucla alums right now and and the the students at the school well the thing is will the money go to the right place that's all i'll say uh, hopefully it will but uh, i have my doubts but it, it's it it should be an exciting time because it, it just feel it, it the it school feels I like, attended well the school yeah. I attended is not exactly the most uh, I should say honest and forthright as far as money being allocated in certain places as that scandal that they had not too long ago with uh, getting people in there that weren't qualified to go to the school that that tells you right there that USC has not always done things in the right manner that they should so i'll leave it at that i love i love usc always will remember fondly my time at usc but yeah definitely not something that they should be proud of and hopefully they are now on the straight and narrow and hopefully like, we'll provide that money that that comes in from this new deal will go to the right places that is my hope that's my hope i hope i hope so as well and 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 to be fair gerald i'm, I'm north carolina university also had their they're also little uh, scandal with. Well, uh, I mean, there's uh, so many that have had yeah. their scandals. It's it's all about money and people. It's get, all about money. Yeah, it's all about yes, money. Yeah, that's that that's what ma- that's what matters to to everybody at the end of the day. But again, um, Ger- Gerald hit the nail on the head last time. The playoff system is broken. It needs to be dismantled and and built back up again. And uh, Podfather was right. I'm uh, Joe. I, I just I, want to hear. I just want to hear that again. Gerald was right, and Joe, Joe was Gerald wrong. Was right, and Joe was wrong. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. I'll make sure that's correlated the next time Joe's on the air. Hopefully, I can get him on a special requested episode like Tom. So we'll go ahead and see if we can do that. But yes, I will make sure that it's noted indeed. But it is once again the Madman from Toronto, Mr. Magic Man himself, Sean Grice. Please go ahead and check out his continuous appearances here at the Lakers Fast Break. But my friend, an hour and 12 minutes in, no problems, internet connection-wise. I'm, I'm almost getting a tear in my eye right now as we speak, but any last thoughts before we head on out? Yes, Gerald. This upcoming Lakers season is more important than the inaugural season that LeBron was with us for two reasons. One, if LeBron does sign the extension it could be now or it could be after the season it could be two weeks from now it will signal to the rest of the league that the lakers although at times look a little dysfunctional have formed some stability with lebron staying two it will also allow fans to take a breath at this point because look nobody wants to see a repeat of what happened last season that's why a lot of us are very hesitant about bringing russell westbrook back because you're asking all of us to look at it with fresh eyes when what we saw last season can't be unscrubbed gerald well, again, you know, it just comes to a situation where Russell Westbrook, the the eye test, the paper test as far as what's there in stats and, and statistics and analysis, plus our eye test, it shows that he's a player that unfortunately his skills have gone to the point where he is no longer able to go ahead and thrive in the modern NBA. And that's not to 
demean him in any way, shape, or form. It's just the reality of what it is. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's he's a great player in, in his own right. His great career, MVP, all-time triple-double leader. You can never take that away from him. First ballot Hall of Famer and all that. But at this point, he is not a fit for the Lakers and most likely not a great fit for any team in the modern NBA. That's just, just how I see it. And it's not meant to mean demean to him as the character it's just where he's at in the basketball player it's just the game has passed him on by and it's it it's just that simple 100% Gerald and you know Peyton Manning was one of the greatest quarterbacks ever but eventually he got benched for a quarterback named Brock Osweiler it happens it It just happens happens. yeah it happens indeed but it is once again the madman from Toronto, Mr. Magic Man, Sean Grice. Please go ahead and continue to watch him here at Lakers Fast Break. I have a feeling you'll be seeing him more often because we have a stable connection in place. Again, I'm I'm having some tears go down my eyes in <laughs> happiness because of that, because of all the problems you've had in the recent past. But I look forward to Sean's continual contributions here. But Sean, it's great having you here, my friend. Truly appreciate you stopping by. Truly appreciate you making the effort to go ahead and bring a mic that's really good, to bring a connection that's even better. And by doing so, you made again my hopes and aspirations for at least a great season off the court right here at the Lakers Fast Break. Because on the court, it might be a different story. But at least off the court, we'll have so many people now that can go ahead and share their thoughts right here at the Lakers Fast Break. 